We have talked about this group before in this podcast, since Katrina from Katrina and the Waves accused the Dutch contestants Mrs. Einstein from being responsible for her slightly tipsy winner performance. This sounds fun, and I want to know more, so today I have invited one of the members from the group. As you will hear, one is plenty enough, and all five of them at the same time would have reached a new levels of chaos that not even the Norwegian group Charmed can top. What did we not get to see on stage? What happened behind the scenes and in the green room? Am I the only one who thinks that they competed with a Bond pastiche? And how did the poor result affect their careers? Hold on to your hats and vodka shots, since this will be a wild ride where we get to hear everything. I am Emil Lövström, your semi-professional drinker, and this is Eurovision Legends. Welcome to Eurovision Legends, Marjolaine from Mrs. Einstein. Thank you so much for having me. How are you today? I'm wonderful. How are you? Ah, oh, lovely. Thanks. Thanks for asking. I'm fine. <laughs> and you know, in times like these, you are happy as long as you and your family can be healthy. Yes, that's totally true. Yes, that's important. I hope you are all fine. Since this is a podcast and not a YouTube clip, the listeners can't see you. So shall we sort out already now that you are the edgy, curly redhead from Mrs. Einstein? Yes, yes, that's me. (laughs) Believe me, we are going to talk about that styling later. Oh, I was afraid of that. (laughs) (laughs) But before anything else, I would like to warm up with some quick questions. Okay, fire away. Name drop three Eurovision songs you really like. Okay. From the top of my head, I love Eres Du. I love... Anne-Marie David. Yes. Thank you. And I love, I loved Christina and the Waves, actually. Katrina and the Waves. Yeah, yeah. Love, shine a light. In every corner of my heart, let the love light carry, let the love light carry. Best song from the Netherlands in Eurovision. Lenny Kur. The winner from 1969. Yeah, 69, geez. Yes, the troubadour. Yeah. Exactly. Worst song from the Netherlands in Eurovision? I think that 
uh, oh, I don't remember the name of the song. I rem remember the name of the singer, Sineke, that was like 10 years ago. Or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Shalali. Yeah, that was, oh God, jeez, don't sing it. Yeah. <laughs> I promise. I'm sorry, I love her and she's a sweet, sweet girl, but that was, I mean, the worst contestant ever. Not just for the Netherlands, but on the whole, I think. Shalali, shalala, shalali. You make mistakes sometimes. <laughs> Who should have won the contest but didn't? Oh, um, oh! I forgot to to mention one song that I really, really, really loved, and that was the Portuguese uh, contestant, Amor Pelos Dois. <laughs> Oh, yes. It gives me goosebumps just talking about it. How could I forget him? But the song that didn't... Eres tu didn't win. Yep. Yes. Uh, who should not have won but did? Well, Italy last year, I don't know. It wasn't my favorite, but it won. Ma sono fuori di testa, ma diverso da Favorite song from 97, besides your own song? Katrina and the Waves. Least favorite song from 97? Well, I think that wasn't a very good year, to be honest. And there are a lot of songs that I thought were so-so. So I couldn't name a country, but there were like 10 songs that I thought were... You know, including our song, maybe. <laughs> yep, okay. Last question. Who do you want to see compete in Eurovision next year? For for the Netherlands? Yeah, or for any country. I think uh, that every country is sending their best contestant the last few years. And we already know who's going to compete for the Netherlands next, next year. Yeah. And I really, really love her. She's very young, but she has written some beautiful songs. And I have high hopes for her. Yeah. A funny nerd fact here was that in a previous episode, I talked to Frank Rayma, who is brother to Sandra Rayma. And he submitted a song that got in the last three. So she's not going to perform her own songs? No, no, no. Uh, sadly, his his song was rejected in the last oh, okay, uh, three. Okay. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah, that's what happens, you know? Yeah. Great songs are being written and, and still do not make it. Yeah. Well, lovely. We survived the first part. Great. Check that off. <laughs> Mrs. Einstein started in the early 90s. Yes. Uh, Saskia and Paulette founded the group. But how did you get involved? I was asked to audition, mm -hmm. uh, not for your vision. We were a theater group. Yep. So we made theater and we called it uh, music for watching. Yeah. So it was not just the music, which was very important, of course, but also a, a lot to look at. And we were like stand-up-ish funny yeah and we wanted to make a program a theater program about the eurovision and then we were asked to um uh, take uh yeah participate 
yeah. in the Eurovision, and that's how it happened. And uh, I was asked to audition, and uh, well, they liked me, I guess. Who came up with the band name? Saskia. Mm-hmm. Because she always says, like, behind every great man, there's a great woman. Yeah. Uh, so she came up with the name Mrs. Einstein, because that was the woman that made uh, Einstein great, in a way. Yeah. Was Mrs. Einstein your only job during this period in the 90s? Well, not just to pay the rent, because I love working, so i doing loads of things. I I'm a professional singer, so I was a radio voice for Sky Radio, which is a, a huge station here. I, I sing commercials. I do a lot of work for um, animation, cartoon, yeah. films and stuff. But during the time of the Eurovision, that was all we could do. We were so packed and busy promoting and singing everywhere. So, yeah. Uh, in the 90s, the Netherlands tested several different approaches to selecting its participant for Eurovision. In some years, you had a competition with 10 songs sung by 10 different artists. But yes. for some years, an artist, or in your case, a group, sang all the competing songs. Yes. Um, you mentioned it here, here before, but how come you got asked to sing all the songs in the national final in 97? Because the head of the committee that decided uh, which artist would represent the Netherlands for that year, uh, was charmed by the idea that we were doing a, a theater show on the Eurovision. And he said, why don't you go and, and incorporate that experience into your show? And I have to be honest, I was the only one who said, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I wasn't interested at all. But the other four girls, you know, being a dem democratic uh, group and all, said, no, we want to go. And I said, okay, if you think we should go, I'll go along. And it was the best decision of my life because I had such a great time. I know that Susan previously had taken part in the National Fire yes. 83 and 84 with the group Volcano. But was this the first time for you? For me, yes. I watched Eurovision as a child. And then I, for 10 years, I didn't watch it all. It, I couldn't care less. Uh, I was busy doing other things. And then uh, all of a sudden, this came. We were asked to do it. And then I was hooked. Mm. I loved it. Yeah. Great experience. Yes. It's really, really, really special to be uh, representing your country in a competition as huge as, as the Eurovision. Do you know if the Dutch TV company asked anyone else? Or did they only ask you? Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure. But my ego tells me we were the only ones. No, I'm not sure. I don't think so, but I'm not sure. They might have. Yeah. Yeah. You never know. Did you get to choose the songs or how were they selected? They were selected by a committee. We had nothing to do with it. So, uh, to be honest, the song that was both 
uh, chosen by the professional jury and the audience yep. was not our favorite song. I knew this! Ah! Because, you know what, I rewatched this clip from the national final yesterday and to be honest, you don't seem overjoyed about the result. Not that you look sad, but not especially happy either. More like you got a diploma for a third place in a pie-eating contest. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's a great song, but there was one other song that we liked better from a perspective of a singer, you know? Yeah. The harmonies were nicer and... Um, and what song was that? Toen de aarde still stond. Ah, that, that got the second place. That was our favorite song. But uh, I don't want to, you know, diminish the song we we went to the Eurovision with. It was selected by the, the professional jury and the audience, so they, they liked this song best. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's what happened. with only two points over oh. your favorite song uh, which I won't pronounce because I have butchered your language before in this <laughs> podcast <laughs> oh my god you know all this yeah, yeah. it was only a two point difference yep. But, yep oh I didn't know this yeah. oh my god that makes it even worse <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, three songs in the top okay that lift yeah oh that lift song sign yeah yeah, yeah. The other two we have already mentioned. Yep. They got so much more points than the others. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I didn't know this. Thank you. Uh, Ed Hojmans. Ed Hojmans. Yes. Ed Hojmans. Yeah. Ed Hojmans. Yeah. He composed the song. Yes. And aren't some hooks in the song quite similar to another song as well? Oh, are they? I'm thinking of the Bond theme Live and Let Die from 1973, written by Sir Paul McCartney. Oh. 
Well, you're the first one who mentions this, so I... You're kidding me. No, I'm not kidding you at all. I have to listen to the song. You have to, because the hook... That's interesting. You know, do-do-do, 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 do-do-do. Yeah, okay. Well, if you mean the excitement of the orchestra and the whole way the song was built up... Yep. Okay, then I agree, then I agree. Another similarity that you were asked about all the time was the Spice Girls. Yes, we were called the Spice Grannies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> really? How tired of saying that you were the mature and older Spice Girls, were oh, you? Oh, no, we loved it. We loved it. Because it was true. Yeah? We weren't 18 anymore. And we, yeah, there were five of us. Yeah? And um, we were, were experienced. No, we had fun. No, we loved that name. <laughs> Spice Grannies. Are you my favorite, Jerry Halliwell? Oh, I loved her. Yeah? Yes. Yes, I did, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can you take us back to your memories from Dublin? Oh, you know, it was such an exciting week. I slept five hours. Not per night, but the whole week in total. Really. Yeah. Because once we were there, we wanted to make the most of it and perform really well, but that goes without saying. And I went to every party and every, yeah, I had a blast. It was amazing. And I hung out a lot with Katrina. Yeah, I know. And her band. And um, she was rock and roll, man. Wow. Love that woman. And, uh, you know, we met her again two years ago. We were on the same TV show in yep. Holland. Yeah. You know, oh, you know everything. Yeah, no, but she mentioned that too, because, you know, in a, in a previous episode of this podcast, I had a chat with the hilarious Katrina and she shared several not so sober memories from Dublin and told me that she became good friends with you. Yeah, we had we had a great time. And I think she was just um, she she so deserved to win. Her song was, you know, uh, the week before we left uh, for Dublin, we saw all the clips from all the countries. Yeah. And when she came on, we all said she's going to win. No doubt about it. Yeah. And uh, she came through. Yeah, we had so much fun with her. Yeah. She also yeah. mentioned a funny thing. She said that you smuggled vodka behind the scenes. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> that you generously shared with her. Yes, of course we did. Yeah, we were rock and roll too. You know, once in the green room, it was so obvious that we weren't going to win. Yeah. So we decided let's make a party. Yeah. And uh, that's what we did. Yeah. It was funny because the girl from Italy was sitting next to us <laughs> also during the rehearsals. And she was all pale and nervous and, uh, and we were laughing and having fun and she just... Oh, She had the worst time of her life, I, I think. Oh, <laughs> poor girl. Yeah. Yeah. Day later in the fourth. Um, do you have any not so sober memories from the green room? No, we, we we stayed sober. It was after we all left the green room that um, the heavy drinking started. Yeah. You know, the Irish, you can be in Ireland and not drink. I mean, that's impossible. 
I totally agree. I'm a big consumer <laughs> of wine myself. Okay, I have. Wow, we have a connection here. No, um, yeah, what can I say? We took it very seriously. I have to really uh, put an emphasis on that. But we were also being realistic. And um, we were not getting any points. So we thought, let's, you know, we wanted to unite everybody and not make it so much of a... a it was a contest. And of course, you want to win. But we were like, you know, let's make friends with everybody and have a great time because this is such a special moment. This is never going to happen again in your life, except for Johnny Logan, of course. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> for normal people like us and um, and some people totally connected with us and, and thought we were fun. And um, and some people didn't. Well, yeah, their choice. But um, it was nice. And you, you asked me about some uh, memories of Dublin, I remember that the hotel we were booked in was being renovated. So there was noise all the time, oh. <laughs> tinkering and hammering and stuff. Yeah, really interesting. <laughs> and we were we were brought to the venue. Uh, we had a police escort yeah. through the city. We were sitting in a bus and the police were, you know, guiding us to the venue. That was uh, really special. I thought it was hilarious. I felt like a like a rock star. Did any other from the other delegations share the same hotels as you did? I think so. But the thing is, because you sent me the clip, you know, the 10-minute clip of all the contestants, and I was watching it earlier. Yeah. And I couldn't remember half of them. And that's not just me. Maybe it's my fading memory, but it's also you you hardly... Uh, interact with all the other acts. The rehearsals are strictly uh, separated, and um, and you're so busy in your in your own tunnel of of doing your thing that you hardly connect with uh, with the other acts. Only in the clubs afterwards, but you don't see their acts. So you, I, I, yeah, that was funny to watch again. I thought, oh yeah, and I remember all the faces, but not the songs. Have you watched the whole uh, Eurovision from '97 afterwards? I think we did with the all the all the crew. Yeah, yeah. But that was like 20 years ago. We <laughs> we must talk about the biggest diva on site, which was not Katrina, despite her fame. I'm of course talking about the very very famous Alapugachova. Oh, she was something else. She was really a diva. She was. Yeah. And later, I heard that she's a she was a big star in her own country but of course I had no clue who she was <laughs> but she had this whole crew of people around her yeah like she was the queen of Russia or something yeah yeah it was really interesting and uh, I have to say I loved it she didn't talk to anybody and um, if she took one step people were you know um, um, doing her hair or her makeup or <laughs> she was a queen yeah
Katrina told me that everyone said to her the whole uh, d- during the whole week that oh she's so famous she's so famous but she didn't understand a bloody clue what she was famous for. <laughs> no, nobody knew. No. But and she also said that she got speechless when she met her and curtsied for her like she was. A oh, queen. she did. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I think she was, you know, lying, my okay. dear Katrina. Okay. No, but you know, we 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 didn't really take her seriously. I mean, not for for being a winner. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. We had respect for her and her and her, and her career and her reputation, of course. But um, <laughs> it's a circus, you know, the whole Eurovision. It's so interesting. Were you on the bus to the rehearsals with everyone yes. else when Ala Pugacheva refused and took a limo? Of course, but I mean, you have to live up to your standards, and uh, if that's your image, go for it. <laughs> I love that kind of thing. Yeah. And we were down to earth girls, you know. We always um, uh, brought our uh, my first Sony. You know, the little. You know, you're too young to remember this, but my first Sony was a tiny, bright red tape recorder. Mm-hmm. And we put in the, uh, a cassette, and everywhere we went, we we we, we took our my first Sony with us, and we, and we we sang, yeah, because we had this whole repertoire of songs because we were, you know, we had already done like two theater shows, so, and everywhere we went, we 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 started singing on the train, in the bus, and, and all the locations we were meant to go to. It was so fun. Did people join you? Yes, they did during a rehearsal. Uh, on stage with the orchestra, we were, I think, the last year or th- that was uh, 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 with the live orchestra, and we had to wait. And we started singing um, um, Hallelujah, and the whole orchestra joined in, and the camera crew and everybody. It was so fun. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> we must talk about your styling. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> in the dress rehearsal, you were mm-hmm. a dominatrix inspired set in black and white, oh, but changed yeah. that for the final night. Yes, and that's an interesting story. Um, you were not meant to tape the uh, semi, not the rehearsals for the real show, but our camera crew did. They filmed not in the hall itself because that was forbidding, but he, uh, one of the cameramen filmed the monitors in the halls. Yep. And we came back from the rehearsals and, and the cameraman said, you don't have to wear these clothes. They look terrible. Look, I filmed it. And we totally agreed. I mean, I looked like an elephant and Saskia looked like a waitress from some porn movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, we, we hired a, um, a designer to design our clothes and it was all silk and leather, really expensive. But it looked terrible on, on screen. So we decided that night to change our clothes. I think that was against the rules, but uh, we just pretended like we didn't know the rules. Yeah. And we, we had to, you know, fix the clothes and adjust them and uh, we didn't sleep all night and everybody helped to fix our clothes for the, for the real thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was very kind of you to let Paul Oscar from Iceland and his girls be the only dominatrices on stage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes you have to make way for other people <laughs> who can do it better. Yeah. London is a dawn. Urður arvind of dawn. Gekk and gilt 
I must ask, was it on sale, the roll of fabric? Or why did you all end up with the same fabric in the different yeah, lengths? I can't remember what, what we were thinking. Sometimes you get so overwhelmed and there are so many people involved who have an opinion on what you have to wear. I remember Cecilia Rombli, the Dutch contestant. Yep. What she wore during rehearsals fit her perfectly. She was young, fresh, wonderful. But everybody around her told her, no, you have to wear this gold dress, la la la. And that's what cost her the, the victory, I'm sure of it, because it wasn't her. Sometimes you get overwhelmed and you say, well, maybe they know better and um, you end up with terrible clothes. Yeah. <laughs> do you still <laughs> have your outfit? I do. Yes. And some of the clothes went to a museum mm -hmm. and every once in a while I take it out and look at it and I think, why? Why? <laughs> What were we thinking? <laughs> But I mean, in the pre-selection in, uh, in the Netherlands, you were different styles. Uh, there yes. were some... Um, well, More individual, you mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But you never brought that to Dublin. We try to, but then, uh, yeah, like I said, there's so many people involved and people who are paying and the and the network and and yeah, sometimes you have to you give in. Yeah. But now I'm glad we didn't uh, wear the clothes that were uh, uh, designed originally for us. We did wear those uh, outfits in our theater show later on, mm -hmm. just for fun, you know. Yeah, yeah. So people could see, okay, this is not, uh, you know, <laughs> very becoming. <laughs> <laughs> But it's a nice story now. I love this anecdote about the clothes, but everybody asks uh, about this. Yeah. People are all intrigued, yeah. What about the choreography then? Um... I think we did that ourselves with some help. You know, we were five girls or women and there was no money for clothing, for choreographers, for nothing. Yeah. And that sounds really uh, terrible, but that's the way it was. It's all different now, uh, luckily, but we had to, you know, do it ourselves. You didn't like it? I take it from your... No, 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 no. I no, liked please. it. But I must ask, do you still know the choreography by heart? Yes, I do, because we still use it in our show. Yeah, yeah. We have a show now, a theatre show about... Uh, it's called Country for Dummies. Yep. And, uh, <laughs> and we ride horses and we line dance and stuff. But we do... Niemand heeft nog tijd. Just, you know, for fun. Yeah. And uh, we do the whole choreography and the whole, whole shebang. Yeah, it wasn't that hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, the United Kingdom won, Ireland came second, and the underdog, Turkey, third. Do you have any opinions about the top three besides Katrina? Well, we all love Mark Roberts, too, mm -hmm. of course, because because of his eyes. Oh, oh God. Handsome Wasn't guy. he handsome? Yeah, very, yeah. very handsome. Mysterious woman, the wonder did you see? The kind of spell you put on me Mysterious woman I wish I could find the key 
to the kind of spell you put on me. And a really fun guy. Yeah. And I have to say, I loved Turkey. Yep. I think Turkey always has nice contestants because it's they never deny their own ethnic culture or music. Exactly. And that's what I like about it. Yeah. Much further down the results list, we, we find you with a paltry five points. One point per for each of you. Yes, that's what I said, really. <laughs> One point each, yay. <laughs> what happened there? Why didn't you earn more points? I'm not sure. Uh, I think the orchestra couldn't really hit the beat of the song because it was really up-tempo and well, quite hysterical, Yeah. Uh, to be honest. But didn't you use a backing track? No. No, that was forbidden. It was just us and the orchestra, nothing else. Um, I think maybe people couldn't relate to us, the voters, in some way. I'm not sure why. I'm not sure. Because sometimes I see countries that score really well and then I hear it and I think they all sing off key, it's terrible, but people vote for them. I'm not sure how that works. It's a mystery. Yeah. Uh, four points from Malta and one point from Turkey. Yes. I know that you weren't ranked high in the batting odds, but were you surprised to end in the bottom? Yes. This low, yes, I, I I didn't suspect that. We were, I thought we were going to end in the middle somewhere because we sang really well. You might not like the song, but we sang really well. But that's what happens with Eurovision. That's the magic of Eurovision. That sometimes totally unexpected people can score really high and it has to stay that way. I mean, that's the charm of it. And this was the first year that some uh, some countries tested televoting. So you might have got more points if every country televoted. Yeah, that, but we'll never know. Yeah, exactly. But it's fun to speculate. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if that would have made any difference. And um, we'll never know. An album was released titled Goes Europe. Yes. That was our theater show. Yeah. Yeah. Where you, by the way, have a totally different type of styling on the cover since you were naked hiding behind a sofa. <laughs> Did you run out of fabric? <laughs> <laughs> no more clothes for us. No, that photo was taken long before the Eurovision, but, and you know. It's a lovely photo. Thank you. I love it. Three songs from the pre-selection were included and the rest were Eurovision covers. Yes. Did you and the group choose the songs yourselves? Yes, yes. And we produced it and, uh, yeah, it was all our own um, uh, project. Yeah. And this is so funny because there are some unexpected songs on there, like a Dutch version of the Russian entry from 94, Veshni Stranik. Oh, and you... the Dutch title? Uh... You can do it. Come on. I know you can. Son Sterman. Oh, yes. <laughs> Oh, 
into a, um, a lullaby for uh, some of the the, uh, the members of our group were having children or babies and uh, yeah and so we turned that into a lullaby. And Saskia wrote the lyrics. I think it's a beautiful song. I totally agree. But did you know that it yeah. was Russian? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We, we listened to some of the tracks from the album. Eurovision for Mrs. Einstein. We toured with our show Goes Europe. Yep. And that went well. And uh, that was a lovely time. But then we separated because we thought, well, we all, you know, want to do our own things. And some of the girls uh, wanted to be a, a mother. And now, after 20 years, we came back together again. So now we're touring with our own show, um, uh, Country for Dummies. Yeah. So it's lovely. But, you know, we were sitting here at my kitchen table after 20 years. And of course, we kept in touch during all those years. But we started singing and it was just like old times. It was wonderful. It was magic. It was magical. It was really, really special. And now we're having so much fun touring again. Did the poor result affect your careers in any way? I'm. That also is a hard question because you don't know. I think we were hoping to after the Eurovision, that we could tour more abroad. And that didn't happen. Yeah. But in the Netherlands, we still did our thing. So that was okay. What were the headlines like when you got home again? They were quite harsh. Yeah. Did the media treat you different after Eurovision? Absolutely. But we didn't let that get to us. But um, some of the uh, newspapers and, uh, yeah, people were disappointed and uh, yeah that's how a contest works if you know if you're if you win you win and all the rest are losers so that's what happened and um but we yeah we we calculated that and that yeah that's a calculated risk we took have you done any more attempts to go to eurovision again no no have you no. been have you been asked no, we haven't been asked, and and were that the case, we we would have declined, I think, because been there, done that, you know. And the whole thing is is it has changed so much. It's it's now even more professional than ever, and um, I I think you need to make way for for new, yeah, younger, new talents to try and uh, and compete and compete. So Ralph Siegel hasn't called you yet. He calls me every day. <laughs> but I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> I love you. 
What are you doing today in your life, despite Mrs. Einstein? I'm a director for uh, uh, cartoon and animation films. Yeah. So I direct voice actors. So I had to uh, go to the studio and uh, do my voice as my as grand, grandma. Grandma Chata. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's what I do. I translate things. I make music. I tour. I'm having a wonderful time. In, in spite of, uh, of, of all the corona uh, restrictions, of course, but we do um, what's possible. So, yeah. When I did my research, I saw online that you have done backing vocals for Demis Rosos and uh, Justin Palmerley. Yeah. Yes, I did. Yes. Impressive. I love Demis Rosos. Oh, me too. It was that's a long time ago though. But um he was such a sweet guy. Wow. Mm. I remember it well. Yeah, but I'm a backup vocalist for anybody who wants to, you know, hire me. So um yeah, but that was a great time. I loved his songs. I loved him. And it was um yeah, you know, he was some someone from my childhood too. So I was really honored to be on his album. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, oh city with a heart of gold. My heart will sing the songs of glory. Jerusalem. I always ask my guests the last question who they think <gasps> I <Already>? should be. <laughs> No, we, we we can still go on. But who should I invite to the podcast? Who do you suggest? Uh, next contestant for next year for the Netherlands. Steen. Mm, yeah. She is such a special girl. Yeah. You should ask her. Yep. Yeah. What have we missed? I think we covered most of it. I'm impressed by by the knowledge you have. You're a, you're a vision Wikipedia. <laughs> I love to do re research. You always learn something. But... You know what I would like? Do you have one critical question? Because everybody, and me too, because I love it, but I think there must be something, you know, something critical. But I think that my questions have been critical because I, even if I love the performance, believe me, I loved it in 97 when I was, I was uh, 11 years Three. old. No, <laughs> 11. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, not about us, but about the whole event, maybe. Mm -hmm, yeah. Does it still have a meaning? And I also wanted to say that I was very, 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 very proud of the Netherlands last year. The way they, because it was postponed a year. Yeah. And then they did such a great job. I wasn't able to attend, but a few of, of Mrs. Einstein were there. Yeah. And I was really impressed. Yeah. I'm proud. But... I also, yeah, does it still have have a purpose, you think, the whole Eurovision? Absolutely, absolutely. But, of course, not like it was Sorry, before. Sorry, now I'm interviewing you. <laughs> <laughs> But, you, you know, the problem with Eurovision today is the, is the politics, and it has always yes. been a problem, of course. Yes, yes. Um, but, I mean... Well, that's something I'm struggling with myself, you know. And also with countries like Australia and Israel and should we give it another name? It's not really Eurovision this way. And I know they're putting a lot of money in the whole thing, so that's important. But the whole system of the five the, the big five, you know, the people yeah. of the, the countries that are investing. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think the biggest problem is for themselves that they are the big five. I'm sure they get something, otherwise they wouldn't be investing. <laughs> yeah, yeah of, yeah, of course, yeah, of course. But I, I don't think that it's a good decision to only perform the song in the final. I mean, you get to hear them more chance if they perform in the semifinal too. Yes, and that's what um, that's that's the thing that's really really changed about the Eurovision. I'm just thinking of this now, um, because. In the old days, the song was forbidden to be played on the radio beforehand. So people just heard it on the night itself. Yeah. But now, yeah, with all so social media and stuff, it's all different. And you can, you know, really pick, yeah, pick your top 10 way before uh, the night itself. Yeah. And I think that really influences the way people vote. Because they look at the clip and, uh, you know, and of course that's all tuned and, uh, and produced and stuff. And the way people perform on the night itself seems less important now because sometimes they can, everybody's so nervous. So sometimes it's, they really sing really, really badly. Yeah. But if you have the, heard and seen the clips like a hundred times before, you know what I mean? Maybe I'm absolutely, a bit absolutely. But big, if, vague here. If but. we talk about the voices, I mean, isn't it very hard to sing to a backing track today? Isn't it more easy to sing to a live orchestra when maybe every instrument <clears throat> isn't playing exactly perfect? I think it's easier to sing to a backing track. Okay. Because then... It's the same every time during rehearsals, during the night itself. It's, you know, you know exactly, uh, yeah, what you're singing to. Yeah. I think that's easier. Well, I'm not a singer myself. <laughs> you would die. <laughs> but, oh, everybody can sing. But I mean, very few sang badly in the 70s or in the 80s. Of right. course, some of them, but very few. Today, yeah. several. I think. People are selected now, the artists, on different, maybe more the way they look or the their status or stuff. Or some artists might not be used to sing live for, you know, this, this is a major event. You know, not only the stage, but all the audience, but also I was aware of that while singing. Like all of Europe is watching me now yeah. or our group. And that does something that that's really amazing and it's exciting, but you know, you get so nervous and, um, maybe I'm not sure. It's a, this is a good point in my, uh, view why that is. Yeah. Maybe, maybe people aren't experienced enough. Although Sandra Kim was like 13 when she won. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But you're, you have been a, a Eurovision fan all your life. Uh, yes, since uh, 1991, when I saw Baby Doll from Yugoslavia perform in a, <laughs> in a baby suit. <laughs> and you thought, this is it. This is it. And my mother was like, oh my God, is he gay? Is he gay? Yes, he is. <laughs> Oh, 
also very interesting, you know. Why is it such a gay thing? I think because, yeah, they they see the glamour and the humor of all yeah. it. Yeah, probably. And, Funny. It's, you know, it's over the top. Yeah, but that's that's what I love about it. Don't we all love to sit on the couch with friends with drinks and snacks and watch the Eurovision and, you know, and say bad things about the dress people are wearing or yep. the, the hair? or That's the part of the fun. Yep. Who's this porn star from Poland, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's the fun. And we sit here and make lists and... Um, and yeah, make predictions. It's it's really fun. I always watch it now with friends. Yeah. Whenever I can. Yeah. Well, this has been fantastic, Marjolaine. It was oh, lovely so to have you here on the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Next time I'm in the Netherlands, I give you a call and we have some vodka. We will. Wouldn't that be fun? Are you planning to come to the Netherlands? Not now, but yeah, absolutely. You know what? I haven't been to Amsterdam or Rotterdam. <gasps> so where in the Netherlands do you live? I live in Utrecht, mm-hmm. but the Netherlands is such a small country. So I live like 30 minutes from Amsterdam and 30 minutes from Rotterdam. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But please give me a call and we can meet up. I promise. Yeah, please do. Okay, Emil. Good quell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to learn Swedish. Have a great night. Same and, to you. Uh, bye bye. We'll keep in touch. Bye yep. bye. Bye bye.